I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. There is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. Head from the side. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Fifth Quarter. It's Rana in the studio today. As you've probably seen on the title card, I'm about to talk to Brody Grundy. We are coming to you from Wurundjeri land, although we're in the virtual studio today, but I want to acknowledge their elders past and present. If you don't know him, Brody Grundy is number four at the Collingwood Football Club men's team. He was born in South Australia. We'll double check that when he jumps on the mic. He's got a health undergrad, is studying an MBA at Melbourne Uni and loves a bit of 90s R&B. Welcome, Brody. <laughs> Thanks, Rana. It's great to be on the pod. I've cheekily just said that you love 90s R&B only because I've sent you a playlist of 90s R&B and yeah, assumed that you loved it. Which was huge for my drive back to my homeland, Adelaide, uh, <laughs> over the Christmas break. So anyone that's done that drive knows that it's just a long, straight nine hours. So having some nice beats to drive along to is, um, is a good thing. I want to ask you first off the bat, we do at the Outer Sanctum often ask ourselves, you know, what is our relationship with football? For a lot of us as fans, we talk about how much we love footy, but then sometimes footy can break our hearts as well, not just with like on-field results, but also the off-field stuff that goes on. And Collingwood's had plenty of it of late. And I'm really curious to know, what's your relationship like with football at the moment? Wow, what's my relationship like with football? I suppose I haven't really thought about that question. It's more, you know, checking in on my relationship like with myself and how do I feel about where I'm at in the big wide world and where I'm going. And But if I had to think of it at this point in time, I think it's quite positive, like with the change that has happened, you know, just having that summer and that off season to go away and, and really think about my goals and where I want to be and things I want to achieve, like super motivated and focused on achieving those things. And, you know, they're, they're aspirational, you know, for those to be realized, like you have to be pretty positive and, and have a healthy relationship. So with footy at the moment, I'm in a good space and it, it's a balanced space for me like I can't be too emotionally involved or yeah because when you like as you said like when it's when it's not going good it can be catastrophic if you're just if that is everything so it's a fine it's a fine line like you have to you know wear your heart on your sleeve and give it your all but you also have to know when to step back and go how can I compartmentalize this and where does this fit in the big scheme of my life I don't know if that answers your question. No, but. it totally did. You're obviously in preseason now. You have a new coach. 
Before we get into who you are, Brody Grundy, I want to know on a really practical level, what happens when a new coach comes into a club? Do you reprint things? Do you add him to the WhatsApp group? Like what actually <laughs> happens? Everything gets shaken up. Um, <laughs> change, you know, I've, I've been at the club, this is now my 10th year, but uh, change can be a scary thing. You know, you've got sort of two choices. You can either sort of accept and acknowledge what's going on and or you can do the opposite. And it seems that we have uh, really rallied behind the change and got behind Craig and um, the standards have definitely been lifted. Lifted. I think there can be at times in organisations a malaise that can set in subconsciously, if you will, and, and when this change happens, particularly at like a, at a hierarchical level, like quite a sophisticated level, like a senior coach, you sort of check yourself and you go, shit, you know, like <laughs> what, are my, what are my standards? What am I holding myself to account to? And I think we've all sort of done that internally on a personal level and as a team level and our summer's been pretty good. When it comes to the head coach, because you obviously have a number of coaches, but when it comes to the head coach, how close is that relationship? How does that work? Yeah. Well, Craig um, actually called me one time uh, a few weeks ago, like out of hours, like at six o'clock. And I picked up the call and I was like, Craig, you know you can't be calling me out of office hours. <laughs> um, but that, that's the sort of uh, that's the sort of relationship that I have with Craig. I, like, I, I know him from my first couple of seasons playing at Collingwood. He was my junior um, development coach. So he was super important for me in terms of like my formative development. Credit a lot of things to him and, and Anthony Rocker in terms of my um, development for just putting good heads on uh, people's shoulders. Like, I don't know if I can say that about myself, but uh, <laughs> just trying Do to it. create like good habits in people. And now it's just crazy to see him come full circle. And it's a little bit like bizarre. He's very different to Nathan as well. Uh, Nathan, a very public figure, very, um, whether Nathan means to or not, it just his persona is so, so big fills the room and, and Craig, everyone has met Craig and it's no disrespect to Craig, but he's a smaller man. And I suppose when he's in the room, like he just relies on just content and knowledge and just being a great educator. It's not that Nathan didn't do that, but um, he certainly had that um, Nathan Buckley aura around him. You're one of those players, I feel like, has a lot of interests that are outside of footy. I said it up top, you're studying an MBA. What else happens in the life of Brady Grundy? I think I've, all, I've always been a really curious person. Like I've been someone that has always been out exploring his environment, trying different things, staying out of trouble uh, as, as a young young fella. But I've had also great role models. Um, when I when I came into the AFL, Hariti Elamumba was, was a great mo- role model for me in terms of exploring those curiosities and, and not being afraid to pursue them albeit stereotypically the footballer, you know, when I was getting drafted, like I remember speaking to someone and telling them when I was sort of 15, 16 that I was starting to play footy and they were like, oh, don't turn out to be one of those footballers. I was sort of fascinated, like what did that mean? Like I had no understanding of what that meant because growing up I I played basketball and I didn't really watch football or engage in it too much. So I wasn't sure what that that meant. So ever since, you know, I got drafted, I, I had this thing in the back of my mind that um, 
I always wanted to be more than just a footballer and being a footballer is a great privilege. I don't ignore that, but I've always tried to be a better version of myself and and just sort of represent the club and, you know, the football community with distinction and, and, and leave it in a better place. And like I said, when I was 18, like I had great mentors that showed me what it meant to be more than, you know, about kicks, marks and handles. And I've tried to stay true to that 10 years on. You mentioned Lumumba there and in full disclosure, really, like in full transparency, you and I basically connected because of the Do Better report. I sit on that anti-racism expert group. We've had a few chats about Lumumba, but also the changes that are happening at Collingwood at the moment. Can you talk to me a little bit about what it's like being part of that at the moment and what your role in all of that is? As a, as a young player, seeing um, and, and being alongside someone like H and you know having them read the experiences and have them documented and not just Haritiers, but... Um, so many other people in the football community was just like really upsetting. Like, and, and just to know that when I was 18, I didn't really know what that was or how I could help. And it's just become incumbent on me as a 27 year old and white privileged man that I have a role to play. And that's why I've loved um, speaking with you, Rana, and, and just how many times I've just put my hand up and gone like, I don't know what this is, but I want to learn more about it and and just be a better advocate for those that have experienced, whether it's racism or any form of um, discrimination. And it was pretty crazy when that report got put out as a player as well. Like you're the public face of that report and Collingwood's such a proud club and we've got amazing people who are so proud of where we've been and what we've done and we've certainly committed wholeheartedly to those recommendations put forward by the report and you know working alongside experts in the field like it's just been so key like having people like yourself involved where players and staff and members of the community can like have access to and just learn like educate Mm. themselves and being open to that and I suppose it takes a bit of vulnerability like me even just talking about it is like can be scary because traditionally hasn't been something that people have spoken about. So um, Mm. here we are on the uh, fifth (laughs) quarter. (laughs) Well, one of the things you said to me really early on, and it really struck me how much anxiety and nervousness there is around these conversations as representatives of the club and really public-facing representatives of the club. I felt like that was a really challenging time when the media was so interested in it. Can you just take me through what that feeling was like around wanting to speak out more publicly but then feeling like maybe you shouldn't or you couldn't? Yeah, um, like I can feel my heart pumping now, like knowing that, you know, we're talking about something can be potentially documented, you know, people can take things and, and spin it how they like but we are just people and we're just trying to be good people and learn and I know like for me I'm involved with yourself and and, and learning and trying to educate myself and it's just like being so publicly facing you just never want to say the wrong thing or not acknowledge another uh, perspective and because it's just like the media is just crazy like what they can do to to people and but hearing myself even say that 
that's also why it's so important to to have those conversations because like if i won't like who will as as a as like a privileged white man that plays for collingwood if i can't be a voice and be a representative of that sort of conversation for people in minority groups yeah that's a bit of a shame isn't it it's uncomfortable for me but wow if i feel uncomfortable imagine what it's actually like to be like i've never experienced racism having that empathy to put myself in other people's shoes going on that journey it's uncomfortable it's uns- it's scary but it's necessary i want to ask you you talk about you know being you know the white man in the room and the privilege of being a player as players you know not just at collingwood but in general do you think aflm players understand the privilege that they have or the power that they have you don't really understand the impact you can have for me it was it was just seeing um how i how i couldn't help you know for example heritia at that point in my career when i was 18 like i didn't know how or didn't have the resources or the tools or the knowledge and when this report came out and yeah it was like a light bulb moment for me to go hey like what are you doing on these important issues and it's great to get behind, you know, people get behind a t-shirt brand and plug different things, but like, hold on a second. Like what's the big picture here? Like it can't all be about winning premierships and there's actually some important stuff here that we're missing. And I almost feel yeah disappointed that I haven't started this journey earlier. It's an interesting space to be in, I, I guess, like politically around the world as well i feel like a lot of people are starting to have these conversations it's not just at collingwood it's like consciousness has been risen and now people are starting to really you know see what's important here but it's like whether you're an athlete or not you actually (laughs) take away the public image you actually are a member you're a stakeholder in this ecosystem you have a role to play in, in, in keeping it safe and clean and so we're all just little bees in this massive hive so we've just got to play our play our role and yeah for me that just starts with like representing myself as well as i can like i want to be a positive reflection on my club and my family and my values that my parents have given me and yeah be a voice and advocate for important issues which i'm yeah learning to educate myself on and create an environment where people in the community can can feel safe and flourish sorry my, my dogs are bloody going <laughs> How can you Ava, hear them? Ava, no. Uh, what's the other one's name? I forgot Sam. But just going back to <laughs> stop it. Just going back to like um, being role models, and this is why I've like really enjoyed speaking with you, Rana, about the importance of diversity in that and having a diverse representation. You know, that was not something that I ever thought of. Educating myself, I, I realized people need to be able to see themselves in in those positions and and uh yeah i just wanted to like acknowledge that and show you that i've been uh i've been listening oh man (laughs) (laughs) all right that's it for the interview i've got everything i need now (laughs) planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sam Moston, and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. In terms of being in a team, in a team environment, you've talked about it today, but also when we chat about your values and representing yourself. But what happens in a team environment when you don't agree with each other or, you know, somebody does something that you're not cool with? How do you manage that when you have to still work together? That's life, isn't it? Like with that difference and diversity, there's always going to be things that aren't aligned. It's just like that base level of respect, I suppose, like, you know, if I use football as an example, like everyone who's there is actually like elite at what they do. So there's a certain like respect amongst, you know, the organization for what people bring and the strengths that they bring. And it's just acknowledging and being transparent and forthright about the things that you are good at and we celebrate them and the things that you do need help in. Hopefully, you know, there's other bees in the hive that are good at that. How do you balance it? Like it's just that that baseline respect I, I, I say I want to ask you about pre-season but not in terms of what you're actually doing because I wouldn't know be the boring. first thing of it. <laughs> that would be boring you guys train in the heat all the time in terms of pre-season which is very separate to what we're seeing at the moment with the AFLW as <laughs> someone who knows the game plays what the do game. I think about that I think that that would be bloody tough I've trained in the heat like I've gone to Darwin and trained in the humidity and stuff like that in this peak sort of summer period and it's like it's tough like we've even seen you know the Australian Open the heat waves get cancelled it's just mad respect for people performing at an elite level in those conditions that's really hard the girls are doing a tremendous job and um, they're doing a tremendous job for just the game like they're growing it so well and it's becoming a um, strong asset for the AFL. At Collingwood, is there much crossover? Do you get to interact at all? It's pretty. We're pretty good. Like I remember when we first disrupted the notion of Collingwood <laughs> Football Club when we introduced netball, the AFL W, and you know we've got wheelchair team and VFL VFLW and. It's not just actually like the Collingwood Football Club. Yeah, initially that was like pretty crazy that we had to share share a gym and do all these things. But like it's actually super healthy as well, I think. You get to form like healthy relationships. It actually reflects society a little bit more than just going to work with men every single day. It, it's refreshing. And, and these girls are elite. Like the netballers are, are just crazy. Like the workouts that they do, they're super professional. Like we learn so much off the way that they go about it. They're setting the bar. Something we've talked about, and it sort of came up through the do better conversations, but it was a broader conversation around culture and, and what's toxic and what's healthy at a football club. And we've talked about, you know, things like sexism, homophobia, safety, as all being kind of part of the same conversation In terms of your experience within football clubs, what can you see that needs to change and and what do you see that we're doing well? Before I jumped on, I listened to um, Brandon Jack's interview. What a super dude. Right. Uh, He's amazing. um, I have to get his book. But there was something that he he mentioned around organisations and bringing in 
fresh eyes. That was massive. That really resonated. Like something that I have noticed in the industry is it's a lot of the same people that played the game, rightly or wrongly, they just have a le- massive legacy in the game. They go into coaching and then administration. And so to be able to have fresh eyes and fresh perspectives is just everything. So I just, a second, a second, uh, BJ's uh, comments, I would, I would say. <laughs> I would ask funny. that question back to you, Rana. Like you obviously um, had some exposure to Collingwood over the last and, and worked at Richmond. Like just the industry, like what do you see has been a strength and what do you see um, needs to improve? I should have a really quick answer to this because I feel like it's all I think about. <laughs> this so much in sport and in footy in particular that's beautiful and I think that team environment is awesome that you know you see it on the field like if one of your players is down you like pull them up but I think you're right in terms of fresh eyes I think there's so much that's nice about tradition but also what comes with that is we do things because it's always it's been the way it's always been done and that's mm. not always a good thing. Mm. Um, even when we talk about do better, side by side was something that was existed when Lumumba was there. You know, there was still stuff that went on that wasn't great. So I think when you have new people, fresh eyes, you can call those things out and create change. So in footy, there's definitely a need for new and diverse people in the rooms, especially where decisions are made. And I think the other thing is, I've talked to you about this before, but the amount that we kind of put football players on a pedestal in a way that I don't think is always healthy. Sometimes I think we do let behaviours slide because it's a team environment or because they're in, you know, there's a particular culture. And I don't I'd know like that that's always sort good. of unpack that a little bit. So do you think that that's a product of the system, the industry, or like society glorifying these athletes? You know, when I got to the club, it's very quickly you realise performance and results and greatness is what gets you on banners and mm. it's a tremendous motivating factor. It's, it's enormous because a lot of players, a lot of young men, like you can go unchecked for a long time <laughs> and, and it's not until you're, you know, 50 mm. and you got three kids and you realise, oh, I'm not the person totally. I, I thought I was. I like the idea of, of us celebrating behaviours and values as much as we celebrate outcomes. I totally get sport is sport. Like that's why we love it. We want to see the the elite performances. I guess I just, especially inside the club, you know, I like the idea of a culture that we, where we keep each other in check. So, okay, fans might adore you, but when you're at the club, you're as respectful to, you know, the person cleaning up the locker room as you are to the CEO and, no one's better than anyone else. We're all playing our part. I like that culture rather than there are stars and there are, you know, people who are more important than others. Well, that's what, um, going back to my man, BJ, <laughs> what he was saying in his podcast was like 40 list spots and only 22 dudes can make the team each week, 23. I don't even know what the number is <laughs> each week. <laughs> You've got to then breathe a sense of belief into all 40 people and make them feel like they can play so it's this super that's a weird thing and that's 
hard and um, then you've got fans, you know, getting around you on social media and stopping you in the street and getting drink cards at nightclubs and, mm. yeah, without for, – for me, like what just helps me is just like your support network, not even your support network, like just the people that know you for you. Like if you take the mask off as, of the Collingwood number four, you yeah. need people that know you as Brody Grundy, the OGBG, <laughs> to keep you in check. Because they're the ones that know what you're about and they know if you're, yeah. if you're going off the rails, if you're changing who you are, if you're not being authentic, I trust those people to keep me instead. And even like my little brother will just say to me over Christmas time, like I'll tell you with a grain of salt, um, <laughs> he'll try and, you know, philosophize and lecture me. You know, don't think you can tell me what to do or you're not, you know, you're not this, you're not that. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, you need to be able to have those mm. people to keep you grounded. So it's important. You said something on the Collingwood lunchtime pod. Huge. You've done your homework. You said something on that about no one gives you a playbook for how to be a footy player. Like- wow, that's sort of what poetic. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to make that playbook for young players coming into the AFLM system, what would you put in it? That is such a good question. It's just like such a crazy time for young men or, you know, women now playing, you're still growing and finding out who you are as a person. And for me, like I got drafted interstate, thrusted out of my, you know, my roots ripped out, have to try and reform those in another state. I literally didn't know anyone in Melbourne. So it's really easy to be led by, you know, just let the wind take you and group think is really easy to, to take mm. over in those situations. So that support network, that immediate, like your inner circle, they're the peeps. They're going to love you and they've got to be diverse as well. Like I've got lots of mates who do different shit and they're cool. Like they're chefs or they're landscapers. One's a doctor I went to uni with. You know, my brother's a teacher. My auntie, you know, has been an executive. My mum's a beautician. My dad works in sales. Like, have those people that have got different experiences to ground you. Mm. And I went through shit when I was 18. Yeah, like just crazy stuff. That's just probably not even appropriate for the podcast. But like (laughs) you need to be able to have people that you can trust. Like trust is just so big. And trust in yourself and being, I suppose the second point would just be be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself and believe in yourself because if you don't, really no one else will is what I've learned. Like you've got Mm. to believe in yourself. Be kind to yourself and realize that, you know, you're doing your best you possibly can at that point in time with the resources and the skills that you have. A lot of people want to put pressure on you and tell you to do different things and be different things, but you've just got to resist that and get home and take a deep breath and jump on the fifth quarter podcast and just let it all out. (laughs) When footy is said and done, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm going to take that question a little bit different a different road. Anthony Rock has been a massive um, influence on my career and he was my coach for a long time and we used to um, just have this discussion like once a week about like what a successful career is, like what is success because there's these great players like Robert Harvey and Nathan Buckley and Anthony Rocker who have had tremendous individual careers and they've never won a premiership. They grapple with like not having won a premiership and how that's, you know, they're not satisfied and so we talk about well, what is success and and it sort of leads into what's next for me like 
my picture of success is just having kids that actually think I'm cool and want to hang out with me. That's actually what I've come, what I've sort of settled on is, and I think I got that from Kathy Freeman. She said, like, my measure of success will be that my grandkids want to spend time with me. And I just thought, how mm. woke and humble is that? It's not awesome. nothing to do with you being a track star. It's actually all about you just being a chill grandma and just mm. family and love. And that's going to be somewhere in the future for me, I hope. And I'd love to do some traveling and maybe work in some of that, the sport, health, business sphere, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I think it would be remiss of me not to say, though, for all the Collingwood fans listening, we've got big things coming. We are hungry for, for a success. We've had a great preseason. Um, we, we just went on a camp and that was all about actually going back into our past and acknowledging our history and, and reconnecting with that and our roots in Vic Park and how that was a place for people to come together and forming those strong connections to, to inform our future and I, I feel really positive about this year and like I said at the very start of this podcast like my relationship with the game right now is in a good spot you know the club's in a good spot to have a, have a crack what the way I've just tried to go, on a, go about it is just be a great player like I just want to be a great player in a great team have people go like he was a normal dude mm. he was just a, he was just I'm just a normal guy because like, that's what I am and I want to be relatable that's that's sort of my thing and and you know people have said to me in the past like on social media like you know I'm I'm a bit quirky or whatever like I just try and show who I am because I don't want it to be this big mystique about oh you know AFL players uh this and that like I just want to be like we're we're people police treat us like people when we need to kick out the ass give us a kick out the ass mm. um when we do things good like everybody likes to feel like they're doing a good job so yeah. Um, yeah. Just be kind. It's been really <laughs> great. I've I've loved um I love chatting and um I've hope people at home or wherever they're listening yeah take something out of it and if they've yeah people have enjoyed it that they reach out and and let me know what they have taken from it or or whatever if they hit you up Browner and pass mm-hmm. it on to me or vice versa like. Thank uh, you so much. No pleasure. All right. Well, it's been great, and I'll um. See you soon.